We've all heard the term dysfunctional family, and that name alone tells us it's definitely not a good thing. But what exactly constitutes a dysfunctional family? Well, if you've watched any number of television sitcoms over the past 40 or 50 years, nearly all of them presented variations of familial dysfunction of one kind or another. But in the real world, family dysfunction is certainly no laughing matter. In fact, it's a highly toxic impediment to the heart and the soul of any human being. But even more than that, it's a toxic impediment to the very heart and soul of any civilized society. Helping to heal dysfunctional families. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello. Thanks for setting some time aside today to be with us. Uh, If this is your first time joining us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, with their families. Our host on the program is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, it uh, seems that family dysfunction is all around us these days. I know you certainly see it all the time Mm -hmm. in your work here at Shepherd's Hill. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to mention all the dysfunction I see before I leave my own house in the morning and after I get get home at night. I kid, I kid. Uh, But, you know, I have heard it said that that since the days of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, that uh, every family has at least a degree of dysfunction in it. I'm not exactly sure how true that statement is. But, uh, you know, it it does seem to be true that uh, if you look hard enough, you can always find something to improve on in any family. And whether that statement's true or not, I I think as parents, we'd be wise to ask ourselves, you know, this question, despite my family's imperfections, can we function in a way that allows us to openly share our love for one another, for, for others and for God? Uh, in a way that draws one uh, one another to one another and to God, rather than driving one another from one another and away from God. I mean, you know, maybe we should ask ourselves that question. I think the answers to those questions are in the affirmative. I'd say you're doing much better than most families these days, but I, I think our guest is going to help us uh, get all this sorted out in a way that'll be a great encouragement to our listeners today. And as always, that's what we're counting on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let the guests do all the heavy lifting. I might find out when I go home I am a dysfunctional family. There know. you go. Well, today we are welcoming back to License to Parent our good friend June Hunt. And in spite of hosting her own programs, she manages to retain enough additional wisdom to spill over onto our program occasionally, and for that we are very grateful. June is an author, a speaker, a singer, and the founder of Hope for the Heart, which is a worldwide biblical counseling ministry. Uh, she hosts an award-winning radio broadcast, Hope for the Heart, which is heard daily across America. In addition, she hosts Hope in the Night, which is a live two-hour call-in counseling program that helps people untangle their problems with biblical hope and practical help. And Trace, if you do find that dysfunction, now you know who to call. (laughs) That's exactly right. June has been teaching and doing research for years. She began developing spiritually-based counseling tools, the Biblical Counseling Keys, that uh, address definitions and characteristics, causes and steps to, to solution for 100 topics, which include crisis counseling, marriage and parenting, child abuse, domestic violence, depression, alcohol and drug abuse, and so much more. These ministry resources, by the way, are currently available in more than 60 countries and 29 languages. June's books have sold more than a million copies. They include Bonding with Your Teen Through Boundaries, a book we discussed with her once before, The Answer to Anger, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes, How to Forgive When You Don't Feel Like It, and the book we've invited her on to talk about today, 
Dysfunctional Family Making Peace with Your Past. Well, June, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Oh, I love being with you all. Thank you so much. We love having you. Uh, I suppose there are myriad ways a family can be labeled dysfunctional, but uh, generally speaking, what defines a dysfunctional family? Well, obviously the word dysfunctional means it's just not functioning the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So in a dysfunctional family, the destructive behavior of one parent, just one parent, it can be both, but one parent damages the personal growth and the relationship of all family members. Basically, what we're talking about is a dysfunctional family causes all members to be either so enmeshed, uh, so disconnected it can be, that that only one member who has this problem, a major problem, affects everyone. Mm-hmm. So everyone is negatively impacted. And it's interesting that in Proverbs eleven twenty nine we read, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only wind. The fool will be the servant to the wise. So we're warned about, you know, just be aware that family dynamics are extremely important um, and don't harm, don't hurt your family. Yeah. Well, in light of the fact that uh, one family member, uh, and that could be a husband or or a wife, uh, certainly, um, can contribute to a dysfunctional family. Uh, what does that say about single parent families? Are, are are those necessarily dysfunctional by definition? Uh, how, how do you how do you approach that? Because I know that uh, this could uh, be seen as offensive to somebody. And of course, in our snowflake generation we live in today, uh, we want to be careful about that. But uh, unlicensed parent, we don't have to be that careful. So, so how do you see that? Certainly, a father cannot be a mother. A mother cannot be a father. Amen to that. But there, there are times when uh, a person is a, a single parent. It could be because, certainly, typically people think of, of divorce, but there is death. Sure. There is a, an acting out of being a single parent when the other parent is, like, for example, in the military and not even available. Mm-hmm. So they're taking that single parent role. Yes, they, there is another parent, but not present. So I think the issue is, is that parent spiritually, emotionally, psychologically whole? If you think about four different dysfunctional kinds of roles mm-hmm. that a parent could have. That was my next question. And, <laughs> well, it, and, and that's, it's important because there can be a very dependent parent who is overly uh, involved, possessive, uh, inconsistent, and manipulative at yeah. times just to control the children. Yeah. So that's one, um, that's one of those dysfunctional roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I grew up from age about 12 on. Uh, my, my dad wasn't on the scene. He mm. was in existence, but he had um, two other families going on. We, there were three families going on at the same time, so it was wow. very bizarre. Wow. But um, he was very dictatorial, and there was a point when I was 12, um, we moved into his house. Now, at that point, my parents still weren't married, but um, 
yet. I knew he was my dad, and um, but he was he was the dictator, uh, over controlling, inflexible, uh, you know, just using criticism to condemn and control uh, the children, and and he was very detrimental. Do you think he was trying to motivate through condemnation? Do you think he thought that, that maybe that was something that would motivate you to do what he wanted you to do for that control? Well, I think there could be a type of motivation if he's thinking this is good for you because see it depends on what they grew up with mm-hmm. and um some um dictators feel because of how they were raised it's like this is good for you it'll make you a right. man you know, th- this type of of uh mentality it's justification but it can still be cruel treatment sure when there's language that is very harsh and condemning, but what we're saying is either extreme, you know, the, the demanding parent, uh, overbearing, controlling, domineering, c- can often use guilt and shame to pressure children right. to the detriment of all family members. Mm-hmm. And so there's a doting kind of parent I, I do want to mention. And uh, I remember seeing a woman mm-hmm. who was just uh, a wonderful, she's, she was a wonderful leader, but she wanted to so protect her daughter to make sure that the daughter got her way for being a roommate, uh, like on a choir tour or whatever. And I kept thinking, I watched this thinking, she's not helping her daughter. Right. Her daughter needs to experience the uh, reality of at times not getting your way. Don't try to overprotect her and because then it caused great difficulty, but yet here is is a, a mother who um, literally is using rescuing. Mm-hmm. It seems helpful, but I thought it was harmful. These are the kind of parents that show up to their twenty six year old son's job interview, and uh, <laughs> you know, or, or call the employer, the potential employer when Junior doesn't get the job and wonder, you know, what's going on here? You know, that, well, well yeah. it, it's enabling. It's enabling the child to fail, That's basically. Exactly right. But, uh, it's a short-term exactly. fix for a long-term disaster is what it is. But uh, so exactly. we, we've got uh, dependent, permissive, doting. Uh, what are the other two dysfunctional roles? Uh, well, we, what we're talking about, yeah, dependent, dictatorial, doting, and demanding. Oh, dictatorial. Yeah. Those, those are the four kinds of, of parents. And, and there are similarities between the more demanding and uh, dictatorial. There, there are similar characteristics. But what fascinates me the most is what the impact is on the children. Yeah, and you actually identify four dysfunctional roles of children. Now, now, what might those be? To, to put it, let me, let me paint the picture. I grew up with a mother who did not know how to handle the situation. Now, we started out in a very painful situation anyway, where my parents were, were not married, and yet there were four of us kids. But then later, when Dad came uh, truly on the scene, we, we moved into his house when I was 12. And nine, uh, 11, 11 months later, uh, they married. Well, it was very, very hard um, because he apparently did not know how to be a father. Yeah. Would it be and, proper to um, say that he, for all practical purposes, nothing changed after the marriage vows were, were given? Yeah. I, 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 and for, for me, things got worse mm-hmm. uh, because everything was 
so uh, negative. He, see, he'd be cruel toward mother. Mm-hmm. Well, before we weren't watching that. And so I just, I, oh, I, and I felt totally responsible for my two younger sisters. So, so let me give you the four roles because this is, it was exactly uh, as what would be classic for a dysfunctional family. We were, I would say, holding these classic roles. The first is the responsible child. Often, I made it into four R's. Okay. Uh, the responsible child would be the hero uh, trying to fix the family problems. Now, that would be my brother, Ray. He, he was one year older than me, and he would try to help create a positive family image, and he was an achiever, uh, not cocky, not, not at all at that, in that way, but he received positive attention in truth, you know, he is more, um, th- things need to be at just a certain way for him today. Yeah. But he, C he, type he, personality. He handled, yeah. Just, and, 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 you know, it, that, that hero learned to survive. Yeah. And then, um, the second is, um, now let, let, me, let me make a comment. My brother had three younger sisters, um, and so I was second, and then there were two others, like four and five years after me. Now, all girls. Ray really was the image of, he was our father figure. Uh, and yet, I'll say, one time, a way to look at this is at times, if there's a gender, like I was obviously the oldest girl, I did feel hugely responsible for them. So as I was first learning this years ago, I thought, well, I, I learned that the oldest of the gender could be that hero, too. So in a way, my younger sisters considered me that I was the responsible one, just as Ray was responsible for all the kids. Sure. We, see, because Dad would forbid Mother to have any time with us. He forbid us having time with her because he was very possessive of her. He was highly successful in business, but highly unsuccessful in the family. But the second born is called the uh, rebel or the scapegoat. The scapegoat draws focus away from the family problems because that scapegoat is, is blamed for whatever is negative within the family. And it was so interesting because I thought, well, I'm, I've got that kind of um, uh, hero role to a degree, you know, as the oldest daughter. And I did a number of things because I was very concerned about my two younger sisters. Sure. Uh, well, but, but the, <laughs> then it was reminded to me that Dad said I was the cause of all family problems. Um, he, I, I got sent away to boarding school because I was the only one that confronted dad about his women, his mm-hmm. infidelity. So you, you were wearing places. a couple of hats then. You were. Yeah. And that, and I had never, I didn't think of it. I didn't think I was the scapegoat until I realized, yeah, he, he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, but, but you know, uh, you, you have what you have when you're, and you don't even think about any of it. You just try You're in just survival. Right. And, um, so, so then I, the, the, third type is the 
reclusive child, the lost child. Um, and I have a, my, my sister, uh, four years younger than me, she would tell you she was the lost child. Um, she just, it, it's like by ignoring the family problems, the difficulties will disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, she would be there, and but you know it, it's like trying to avoid attention, uh, fading into the woodwork, just withdrawn. Yeah. Okay. Lonely. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, even this has impacted her because she'll say, "I don't have any friends," and there yet I see people very drawn to her. And yet she's, but she, but she feels she doesn't have the interaction, and it's hard. Uh, but she certainly would not rock the boat, and mm-hmm. in, in no way. Yeah. The reveling child. I'm making that uh, the last the of the four one. R's. Mm-hmm. There's responsible child, rebellious child, a reclusive child, and the reveling child. Uh, this can be the one who uses humor. Uh, sometimes called the mascot, uh, uses antics, uh, they get the center of attention. Yeah, We're talking today with June Hunt, and we're talking about what for many is a, a very challenging topic, and that is the dysfunctional family. June's got a book called The Dysfunctional Family, Making Peace with Your Past. And uh, when we come back, we want to find out uh, perhaps some things we can do to avoid that dysfunction and or If you find in your family you're holding on to dysfunction, what can you do to let that go and turn things around? This is Licensed to Parent. We'll be right back after this. In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the Licensed to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen Rebellion, Depression, Addiction, Rage, Cutting, and Suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherds Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org.
This is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Our host is Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal, and we're talking today with June Hunt from uh, Hope from the Heart Ministries and uh, talking about a book she has written called Dysfunctional Family, Making Peace with Your Past. And June, you you were talking before the break about uh, some of the roles that parents take on that can cause some of this dysfunction. And I guess uh, that results in roles that the kids may take on within dysfunctional families. Um, my goal, though, here is to try to help us get out of this dysfunction. So for families who maybe are dysfunctional, maybe they've been, for one reason or another, holding on to some of their dysfunction. Give us some guidance here. How can we move beyond where we are to where we want to mm-hmm. be in our families? If you are fearful you know, children can be very fearful when there's this dysfunction. They don't know, uh, they're so concerned about the problems, they don't feel that they uh, can even focus on themselves because they're, they're, they're too scared about what's going to happen. And so I think the parent's role at this point needs to be, first of all, every child has value. And so to think about, what is the unique characteristics of each family member? In other words, just observe each one in the family and identify like three positive attitudes, uh, attributes that distinguish each one from the other and find opportunities to complement what that child is doing or has done and what you're doing is nurturing the soil of their hearts absolutely Uh, a a second thing would be to provide some family activities that are truly enjoyable or it could be you know once a month have a type of celebratory time for individual accomplishments where the family just say, we're going to focus on what, you know, Helen did, uh, what Ashley did, or, or what Danny did, and, and where it is very intentional. It's not, it's not just a birthday, but it is affirming a positive trait, accomplishment, a skill, because many kids feel in a dysfunctional family, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Right. No matter what I do, you know, I'll never measure up to, mm. you know, the other kids. And and by the way, this is biblical. Uh, let me give you the scripture. First uh, Thessalonians, uh, this is uh, 5.11. It says, encourage one another and build mm. each other up. So you are encouraging that each you know each one at a different time with everybody doing the same thing. Sure. You just gave me another idea for what we can do with uh, some of these kids at uh, Shepherd's Hill Academy. We do a thing uh, similar to that, uh, uh, accountability groups, but uh, pointing out uh, at least one major attribute of, of a kid fr- coming from an, another kid, not a counselor, yeah. I think would be really good. But, um, you know, I want to shift gears here just a little bit and, and ask you this question. I know we're kind of running out of time here, but can exercising grace uh, ever become a, a dysfunction? function in and of itself. I mean, we hear a lot about grace-based parenting, and I'm great with that, uh, but I see a lot of Christian parents who take the principles and interactions that Scripture models between God and man, 
And then they automatically plug them into the parent-child relationship. And I'm thinking mostly of the, in this area of grace. Uh, as adults with, with fully functioning uh, frontal lobes, God's grace can often look like uh, he's allowing us to get away with things and, and, until later when we often experience the natural consequences of our actions. But if parents allowed their two-year-old uh, child to experience the natural consequences of, say, playing in traffic, uh, that would seem more like neglect or child abuse. Can you share how discipline can actually be the highest form of grace that we can exercise on our kids when they're small? You have identified the problem already. Grace means giving someone a gift they don't deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, none of us deserve um, the grace of God. Right. We, we've all blown it. We've all chosen wrong. Okay. Now, while grace is a huge tenet of the Christian faith, um, it can go to the extreme of enabling, and that's the, that's the term that's used. You're enabling someone to continue on in their dysfunction. Right. You're, you're enabling them to continue to do bad behavior. So what the best way to do is, uh, and what God is, he gives us boundaries. He, he tells us a number of things not to do, and then he tells us what the consequences are going to be if we do them. A boundary is a line that shouldn't be crossed. If it is crossed, there is a repercussion, and it's the child that chooses the repercussion. And we must follow through with the repercussion or else we have totally irresponsible children thinking that they can get away with anything and everything, which is, to your point, that's not grace. Right. That's enabling them to continue to get away with what is wrong. And I think we're seeing the fallout of a lot of that type of thinking today. That's just my, my observation. But, uh... Well, lady and gentlemen, <laughs> I've got to uh, I've got to call time on this today because unfortunately uh, our you time kill has joy, run out. You. I am that. Uh... <laughs> our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been June Hunt, author, speaker, founder of Hope for the Heart, uh, a worldwide biblical counseling ministry. And today we've been discussing June's book, Dysfunctional Family, Making Peace with Your Past. Obviously, we have barely scratched the surface, but uh, if your family is perhaps uh, exhibiting some of these uh, tendencies that we talked about, perhaps uh, you as the parent or your spouse are uh, being dependent, dictatorial, doting, or demanding, perhaps your children are being responsible, rebellious, reclusive, or reveling children, this might be an indication that you need June's book. So <laughs> we would direct you to her website, uh, hopefortheheart.org, where you can find uh, this and many other books and other resources from Hope for the Heart Ministries. June, thanks so much for carving time out for us today. Thank you so much. It's always a joy and honor to be with you both. Thank you. Thank Likewise. you. God bless you, June. And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Remember that we produce this program to share some of the hard lessons that come from working with troubled teens day after day. It's our hope that your family may avoid some of the heartache and avoid the need for a residential program for your team. As always, if you can help our work financially, and we certainly hope you will, please click the Donate button at the top of the page at LicensedToParent.org and become one of our ministry partners. Your gift can help the work we do at Shepherd's Hill and can help less fortunate families who may need residential care but can't afford it. 
A donation in any amount will certainly be a blessing, and unfortunately, that need is great right now. Just click the Donate button when you visit LicensedToParent.org and thank you in advance. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.